This is the How The Fuck podcast. Each week, we interview creative leaders and marketing professionals from around the world. From those interviews, we bring you unique advice that's based only in real practical experience that will help you to grow your business, get ahead in your professional life, and satisfy your hunger to learn new ideas. This week's interview is with Iona Ratcliffe, CMO at Ocean Bottle, and previously a brand and comm strategist at the firms Biden and Kennedy, Portus, and Droga 5, where she worked on projects with brands like Converse, Nike, Google, and Gucci. In this interview, we use Ocean Bottle as the case study to talk about building a brand. We look at the four truths, consumer, category, culture, and company, and how we can weave a thread between them to create a compelling brand story. We also talk about Ocean Bottle's growth, how partnerships on the B2B side have been so valuable, and how they got their bottle in the hands of Ed Sheeran whilst at Glastonbury Festival. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Iona. How are you doing? Really good, thanks, Ben. It's great to be talking to you. Great, yeah. It's great to have you on here. Let's just jump straight in. So you joined Ocean Bottle over a year ago. Since you've been there, what have you been doing? What have you been your main tasks? Uh, and why did you join them in the first place? I've always learnt from people above me and also myself from research, working with brands and businesses that unless you have a kind of purpose and a mission to what you do and just hammer the shit out of it across not just communications, but like the people that you employ, the way that you do business and how you sit within the competitive marketplace then you're in danger of being quite a kind of like short-term, short-lived, short-traction company. Mm-hmm. I think that to really carve out a space, you have to find whatever your mission is and then stick to it and be consistent and distinctive. I used to talk about that a lot with brands and businesses. They had huge marketing budgets and spent lots of money on advertising. But I quite often found that that mission or that purpose just got a bit like cloudy and a bit saturated in in just producing all this amount of work. And that was quite kind of disheartening. And and also there was like a real awareness in, in the back of my head around like what was happening with the climate. And the fact that I was in this role that was essentially just selling people things that they didn't really need. So I used to spend a lot of time like scrolling the internet, looking for startups that I felt really kind of balanced profit and with purpose. And they had a mission that I felt was really true and really exciting. But there was an opportunity for me to help shape it. I really revel in the scrappiness of things. And so I wanted to find a quite small company and a startup that was quite young. And so I just reached out to Will and Nick, who had met at business school, at London Business School. And they'd just come up with the basic tenets of the idea and the mission. So I sent them an email and just said, can I come and talk to you about what I think you should do with your brand? And then I joined since then. I actually had my one year anniversary like three days ago. Oh, nice. Congrats. So the founders, do they share this the same philosophy as you? Do they want to be a purpose-driven company and a social enterprise? Yeah, definitely. They do, but I'd say that they're, which happens a lot with startups and tech brands, 
less now because we've seen the likes of Airbnb and well, Airbnb is, I think, the best example of a tech brand that's really prioritized what I would call like brand thinking and brand strategy. But lots of tech companies and tech product companies are very driven by quick, short term results. Because mm-hmm. you would be, because you can see where your money's going straight away. And, and those things tend to gear towards sales driving digital activity. Whereas yeah. actually, if you want to create a brand that's built to last and a mission that lasts, there are some things that you need to invest in that you don't necessarily get a quick like payback on. Educating them of that was quite an interesting journey, but I think they're into it now, so that's good. I mean... It's interesting you should say that because the first interview I did for this was with a partner at Spill. I don't know if you know Spill, but they're very much this purpose-driven company and they're trying to change the way people think about therapy from this thing for mentally ill people to this thing that everyone should use to have a sort of clean mental health routine. They did an advertising campaign in this interview that was talking about the 60-40 rule and that you need to invest 60% of your money in brand, 40% in in short-term sales activation. And the brand 60% is something that pays off in in the long term. Totally, yeah. I completely adhere to that school of thought. And it's been proven, like, I mean, we'll learn from the the big guns. I think it's like Burnett and Field, isn't it, who came up with that because they did lots of studies. Yeah, yeah. I I, I totally adhere to that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So do you mind giving me a detailed explanation of what Ocean Bottle does and your purpose and mission? So we're fighting the war on ocean plastic by connecting as many people to that issue as possible with reusable bottles. Because 22 million kilograms of plastic pour into our oceans each day. And I think everyone knows how bad like the ocean plastic problem is. But I think a lot of people don't necessarily know that actually there's a really simple solution, which is waste management. Something like only 9% of global waste is actually recycled. And the reason is because a lot of our waste and our plastic goes off to continents like Asia and they don't have the waste infrastructure of the rivers and waterways where there's just this huge like waste overspill before it goes out into the ocean. Um, at this point, we took a pause and Iona took out the presentation deck to show me how they present the company to their clients. So we always start with the fact that 22 million kilograms of plastic enter our oceans every day. By 2030, it's estimated the weight of plastic in our oceans will double. A lot of people think that beach cleanups and going out into the oceans is a really like positive, great thing to be doing. And we just need as many people doing that as possible. But actually, 75% of ocean plastic is due to a lack of waste management infrastructure. So basically, we haven't got enough resource or infrastructure to be able to deal with all this waste that's coming from everywhere. So what actually is waste management infrastructure? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's my challenge. It's like, how do, we t- how do we talk about waste management infrastructure in a way that people get? I mean, sometimes I say people-powered waste management or people-powered recycling. It's tricky. It's tricky. But I think the other thing to think about is that when you are a brand or when you're communicating, people will take different things from your brand and your messaging. And so if you can be relatively consistent across quite a few channels and in different ways, that's okay because 
it's like if you or I were to describe Boris Johnson, like loosely we'd have shared opinion on him, potentially, mm. <laughs> as in he's got blonde hair, he's scrappy, he's confident, he sometimes says some obtuse things, but then we'd have a different opinion in, about his politics. Yeah, so it's kind of like that with a brand. So some people really get the waste management thing. And to be honest, most of our B2B clients do because a lot of them are already interested in that world and the world of ocean plastics. So they know that it's a language. But I think on the direct-to-consumer side, that's trickier. So that's why we always talk about one ocean bottle will fund the collection of a thousand plastic bottles. Yeah, I really like that. It puts it into a language that I can directly see the impact of the bottle. Yeah, but then I think if you think about the purpose and the mission, then it needs to be bigger than the product claim. And for me, that's the difference between brand role versus your product offering. So with Ocean Bottle and with any brand in general, when you start thinking about, you know, I'm going to build this brand, where do you start? What elements do you have to get right? So truth, I'd look for four truths, basically, in four areas. It's always the best place to start because as a marketing person or a strategist, I think when you're faced with having to identify, you know, what is the most single, most interesting thing about this brand or mission or, you know, where should I start? All you need to do is just start and then you start finding threads and then you can build it out. But so how I would start would be to look in the four areas. And so that's consumer truth of the consumer that you think that there's an opportunity with. What's the truth about them that is compelling and that's potentially missing from their life? And so just quickly, what's an example from Ocean Bottle for that truth? People don't know how to take part in the ocean plastic crisis. Okay. And a lot of people are just paralyzed. You know, a lot of people are just like, fuck, this situation is so bad, but I don't really know to start, where to start. It's like, is this recyclable? Is this not recyclable? Oh, the ocean is actually just in a really tragic state anyway. I'm so far away from it now. Why would I possibly get involved? So it's that sense of I want to help, but I don't know how to help. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think this is so clever, because it taps into people's wanting to affect change by using their purchasing power, which is nuts. Like people are always going to want to buy things. And so if you can harness that for good, then you're really, you're really laughing. Even better, if you can create something that's super functional, it gets used every day and it becomes a kind of symbol of your involvement. Great. That's so interesting. So that's what you should look for first. And what are the other truths that we should look for when we're starting to build a brand? Then there would be uh, a company truth. So, and by company, I mean, that could either be something about your company's story, or it could be your business story, or it could be a product story, but it's under the umbrella of your company. So Ocean Bottle one would be like, we all genuinely believe in purpose over profit. And then the other one would be culture. So what's a truth within culture? Like what's going on within the world? What's cool? What's moving people? What's upsetting people? And then the other one would be category. So what is the truth about the category that is not harnessed? So for example, our category truth might be, there could be a few, but I, I think what's compelling is that in the UK, there's little to no loyalty. So Chile's stormed onto the scene. They've been valued at like 35 million, I think, last year. And they were like number one on the time fastest growing companies last year. But 
there might not be a huge amount of loyalty. They're just kind of the bottle that I use. And the other thing that's bad for them and unfortunate is that the shape has just been completely copied by so many other brands. Yeah, definitely. You can buy that, I think, on a wholesale website. Just exactly the same, but without the graphics. Yeah, which is, which is smart. That's how I think they're trying to keep their kudos. And that would be a brand move, right? Because it's like, how do I maintain the differentiation and pricing power? Yeah, that's definitely what makes them unique in my mind, that the chili bottles work with the actual designers and come up with nice patterns and things. Just to come back to your category, Truth, what, what was that? It was that basically there's no loyalty, but they're all caught in this arms race of trying to buy purpose. We were in the fortunate position that the market was already like there. Mm -hmm. So we could we could look at the market and look at what they've done wrong and then be like, let's not do that or let's this is a space for us. But I think what they're doing now is that they're they're trying to buy this sense of purpose. So Chili's is is more around kind of a bottle for everyone or like a bottle you can make your own with like the personalization and stuff. And it's all around, maybe all around like accessibility. I think I read a headline was Chili's wants to distance itself from the plastic pollution problem. And I read that and I was like, that is a travesty, you know, like fair enough if you want to own a space that's all around reusables and ending single-use plastic and stuff but you still need to use your reach and use your community that you've built so hard to get to be part of this because the thing that you're kind of like getting people to reassess ultimately is their relationship with single-use plastic in, in buying you so just to come back to my original question where did you start with the brand building at Ocean Bottle? So that, so yeah, so I basically, basically all that you're doing there is you're building a story that's kind of grounded in, in you know, insights in those areas. And then the dream is to then find a kind of a, a truth that unites all those, those together. Okay. So it's like your argument. So it's, it's say if say if, say if you you found those truths, and then someone was like, "Well, look, what 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 in a sentence connects all those truths together?" And then from that, you'd probably actually it, what I would do because I'm quite kind of like, I mean, it depends. This is just my personal what approach, but you would then you'd probably you'd be writing a lot, and you'd write like I don't know, like you'd you'd boil it down probably to like four sentences that were probably slightly different angles on, on what that uniting truth was. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'd also be, I'd be mentioning like that and what I was doing and my thinking to the people that I needed to along the way. Cause that is a, another really, really important thing is like never go back to like your colleagues or your client or whoever it is that you need to get on board without priming them into them along the way. One, because they'll probably have great ideas and they might come at it differently from you. But two, because the more involved that they feel, the more easier the selling is going to be. It's just like, it's just constantly kind of chipping. And I think quite often strategists and marketeers think it's sort of like a, 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 a relay where you know you get the brief or you get the challenge you think on it and then you pass it over to whoever's going to execute it mm. 
mm-hmm. whether it's the develop in a startup, whether it's like the dev team, the PR person, the uh, product designer or whoever, but it's not like that. It's, it's a scrum and, and you need to be up for being in the scrum and not be, not really not be precious as well. A really good way of doing that as well is just stakeholder interviews at the front. And I should have mentioned that. So we, and we didn't go into the kind of kinds of research that you would do in those like four, four areas of company, culture, consumer, and company, culture, consumer, and category. Thanks. In the, in the company one, I would always do stakeholder interviews. And so like speak to everyone, like if you're doing something for Sainsbury's, or if you're a startup that's like, say, changing, you've developed like a food delivery service or whatever, mm-hmm. like go and speak to the people that make the food, go and speak to the farmers, go and speak to the CEO, go and speak to the marketing people, like speak to someone, everyone from, from across. And find out what their point of view on the company is. Exactly. Yeah. And we, I, we, I would always ask actually everyone the same set of questions get you get a really great kind of sort of quant and qual but you you just get some really interesting answers back i used to work i like a while ago i worked for this retail cons- consultancy called portas and it's it's like sort of like run well not run but like owned and headed up by mary portas who's the queen of the high street you probably you might have seen her on the telly but she's got like a big red block like bob and she says some quite punchy stuff like retail's dead or like Debenhams is a disgrace. And she's sometimes like on the telly and she, I mean, she used to do that. Like I remember she went and worked in Sainsbury's for a day, which was just like amazing. Cause you, you, you really have to understand like the company culture. If you're in a startup, it's harder. Yeah. I was just going to say from my perspective, from working in a startup, it's, I feel like I am working in Sainsbury's all the time. I know, I know. That is, the, I was literally, as I said that, I was like, so am I, because <laughs> uh, it is just so scrappy, isn't it? And and you're like in the weeds all the time. Mm. And the amount of time that I used to spend like crafting these decks now, that's just out the window. Mm-hmm. But that's it's been kind of it's been a massive sort of like eye opener just to kind of be cool with that. I think I used to be a lot more precious. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas now, I don't know about you, but now I'm, I'm just much more kind of like relaxed and, you know, it's important to get everyone involved and you, you just can't spin out thinking about things for, for too long. We've been told stories for, for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And that's, that is what moves us really over and above kind of programmatic. And that, I find that so reassuring about, you know, programmatic and AI, maybe not AI, but definitely programmatic advertising is like, it gets it wrong sometimes like uh, you know I, I remember once I, I got served some nappies and I was like that's that's really weird and it was because I was looking for nappies for my sister the algorithms just think and that I, I just find that really really reassuring yeah definitely it is kind of reassuring so my next question so what kind of things over the last year have you been doing to put into action that brand story to build your brand so I think we want I, it was really important for me to get the logo like looking what I, I felt was kind of slick and good and I worked on a, on the brand strategy project so that so when I first joined I worked on that like just for the for the first month and then I think I think because we were really 
because we had a really small voice and no one yet knew who we were I think partnerships was a big kind of a big like string to our bow and of activity because if you can get on board companies and businesses that have clout and have reach you can use their influence to basically just get your voice heard with their communities and that's that's kind of free and that's cheap so that was that was really important and so to do that we would sell them bottles so the 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 b2b side of things was really good because i suppose nick and will focus mostly on like the more corporate end of the clients who would just be great for helping us kind of get cash in so that we could grow Um, but then I'd focus on doing partnerships with brands that I felt were going to kind of like bolster our credibility and our, and our, and our kind of kudos. And that could be everyone from like tech companies to ocean conservation platforms and NGOs and stuff just to help get that, that, the, the credibility. Um, Because then you can talk about that and it's, and and so social proof is everything, right? So, because we, because we didn't have bottles yet. We didn't have product until September and it got delayed. It was shocking. It was awful, but we learned a lot in, in making the product. So we had a couple of prototypes. So we'd go out and we'd try and kind of get these partnerships and that fueled money, but, but also helped build the brand because we could then, I could then go into another meeting and say, oh, well, you know, we've only just got going, but we're lucky to count Airbnb on board. And that becomes a social currency. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with, that's the same with on the B2C side, like social proof is everything. Like, and I'm sure you, you, you know this, like having, having people that say, you know, I, I, I really enjoy this product because X or this product helped alleviate this or this product changed my life X. That's obviously the dreamiest thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, that is by far more powerful than so many other things in marketing. So, it was, so once we launched in September, we really needed to kind of like harness that. But, but, but prior to that, I suppose I'd be looking to nurture the community like through email. And so because we didn't have ongoing products and I would never kind of just purely sell product anyway, but we would be emailing them about interesting things that were going on within like the ocean space or plastic pollution, giving them kind of useful content that's kind of not selling product. Like for God's sake, don't sell product, especially when you haven't even got on there. So, so that's, so, so yeah. So the first thing was, was getting these partnerships to kind of, establish our currency and then the second thing was kind of just like building the community behind the scenes like we haven't got a big social following at all but it's all about email in my opinion because the people that read emails are the people that really give a shit about your brand it's much more intimate it's much more like engaged and much more kind of personable i think it's much cheaper as well it's much cheaper and then yeah the third thing would be pr so trying to just build like a, a story that that journalists and so on could latch on to. Yeah, so you mentioned PR. On the PR side, do you want to be writing about articles dedicated to 
the bottle itself or are you more wanting to evangelize the ocean plastic problem? I would like it to be more about the ocean plastic problem and the fact that we need like a new value for plastic and we need a new plastic plastic economy because I think that's kind of bigger and that's what we're about and that's bigger than selling products and that's bigger than ocean bottle but quite often or not it was something that was more focused around the bottles so like this is the reusable bottle that stops a thousand plastic bottles from entering the sea and creates a a long-term solution to saving our oceans. We then went on to talk a little bit about a new bottle edition that is being launched by Ocean Bottle and some pretty exciting and very random celebrity endorsement. We're going to launch a limited edition black bottle that today only Ed Sheeran's had one and he bought he bought like loads for his tour so that's quite a good claim to fame so we're going to kind of launch it with that and we're going to donate 10 quid from every bottle sale. How did that happen with with Ed Sheeran? How did you get him on board? It's not a sexy story unfortunately we just well actually so we did a seeding at Glastonbury last year where we basically persuaded a really boutique campsite to buy the bottles at like a really reduced rate so that they could give them out to VIP. And so they they put the bottles in the back of all the trucks that picked up people from the helicopters. And so that's like a brand thing because a lot of the a lot of people would be like, well, how did you know that anyone would pick them up or use them? And we were like, well, we didn't. We had to take a punt on it. Yeah. Um, but since then. Ed Sheeran then became a client. A really high-profile person had a wedding and bought them all for her guests. And oh, Bicep, who are like my favourite DJs, they've ordered bottles as well. Wow, that's so exciting. I'm really looking forward to seeing that come out. And thank you so much for coming on here. It's been super useful and we've got so much insight from that. So thanks a lot. Likewise, it was really fun. I hope it was helpful and look forward to speaking to you.